kind of a catchy little beat, right? You find yourself bobbing along. You'd hear that a few more times, so get used to it. And before we jump into the message and, and ask that question, am I doing this right? Just a couple of things um, uh, that I, I just want to make you aware of. Um, number one is Pastor Rob, as many of you know, is in the Holy Land with 45 other people from our church. They uh, got there safely, so the good report is they're there. Now they get to enjoy. Um, 45 people in the Holy Land, I pulled Rob aside and I said, you are a brave man. And that'll be like herding cats in a really uh, a great place. So I, I love the people going, but uh, that'll be fun. They're, so be praying for them, praying for their safety. And Rob does send his greetings to you. They'll be back in a couple weeks. Um, the other thing is, uh, as we all know, maybe you've been around church for a little while. Uh, uh, maybe this is new to you. At every church, there is a, a moments of transition, moments of change. And um, if, you did, if you saw the E! News, it, uh, it, even if you didn't, um, Pastor Erica, our kid's pastor, has uh, put in her, her resignation and she is moving on. And that's always a tough time. It's always a challenge. It's always hard. But, but here's the good news. She believes that God has called her, uh, a door opened for her to do something she's wanted to do for a very, very long time. And uh, she's accepted a position to be a youth pastor down in the South Sound area. Something that's been on her heart for a long time is she and I were, uh, were talking as I was coaching her through this. It became very obvious that this was a God thing. So, um, Here's what I want to challenge you to do. In the next couple of weeks, will you be praying for her in the transition? Um, love on her, say hi to her, tell her thank you. April 30th, in the lobby, we're going to do a farewell for her. Um, but just in the meantime, uh, say thank you and love on her. I, I know that when God calls one person on, he has the next thing waiting. He has the next one waiting. It's what he does. Um, he's good at it. Um, though sometimes I'm like, oh no, what are we going to do? God knows what he's doing. And, 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 and he is in all of this, uh, in all that we do. So love, honor, and let her know. We're starting a series called, Am I Doing This Right? Have you ever asked that question about anything you've ever done? Am I doing this right? Like you don't really know, and, and maybe you're messing things up and breaking things, or, or maybe you're doing it right, but you still ask the question, ah, what am I doing here? Am I doing this right? We're going to ask this question, especially in regards to our relationships. We all have relationships of some way, shape, or form. Maybe it's in marriage. Maybe you're dating. Maybe you have friends. Maybe you're in a family. Maybe you go to work somewhere. There are people around you you have relationships with. And it is really important from time to time we take a look at what the Word of God says about our relationships. And, and here's the deal. He says a lot. We spend time talking about relationships because we were created for connection. We weren't created to be alone. You weren't created to go through life alone. And it's really important and very obvious in Scripture that that's true. We talk about relationships because so much goes wrong so fast and it's so destructive in relationships. And as soon as I say that, I know there's a lot of people who came in with hurts and pains. In a series, there's no way we can address everything. But what I know is God sees you. God's Word talks about it. And he wants to see you through in a healthy way. We talk about relationships because loneliness right now is one of the fastest growing epidemics in our society. There are more people lonely now than there's ever been. In a time when we're super connected with all sorts of things, there's a lot of loneliness. And loneliness and being alone are really two separate things. How many of you like to be alone? Right? How many of you hate being alone? Have you ever tried to do something alone which it really requires more than one person? Here's what I found. More often than not, because I'll attempt it first on my own, 
I either do more damage to whatever I'm doing or myself. We need each other. Have you ever tried to play Duck, Duck, Goose by yourself? I mean, okay, close your eyes and picture yourself playing Duck, Duck, Goose. How does this work? You need other people. Uh, We need each other. How many of you in here, by a showing of hands and watching online, you can just put in the chat, me too. How many of you are an extrovert? I love being around people. I just need people and I talk to people. You say, your hand is up, your hand's pretty high. You don't really need to raise your hand because you let us know you're there already. We know you. We know you. You're, you're an extrovert. And then, now here's a little bit more of a challenge. How many of you are an introvert? Now, now listen, some of you, uh, can you raise your hand? Uh, introverts a lot of times raise their hand like this. <laughs> or not at all because no one needs to see me. So we have extroverts and we have introverts. We have extroverted introverts and introverted extroverts and a little mix of everything. You might find yourself there. I personally am an extroverted introvert. I love being with people, but I recharge and I don't mind being alone from time to time. In fact, I remember a story about four, four, just over four years ago when I first was, I was hired here at BCA and came on, uh, my family still lived in Spokane. My kids were going to finish their school year. and So I came over early and I had a lot of alone time. Um, sometimes it was very lonely. And I'm like, you know what? I'm done with that. I decided by myself, I'm going to go to Woodland Park Zoo for the day. By myself. Anyone? Some of you are like, yeah, I'd do that. Others of you are like, how sad. Um, <laughs> I was walking through Woodland Park Zoo, and I noticed something. People were looking at me funny. Like, who is this middle-aged man at a zoo by himself? And I'm like, maybe this wasn't such a great idea. And I rounded a corner. I could take you to, it was the Northwest Trek Trail back by the Grizzly Bears. And I rounded the corner, and there in front of me was Katie Hansen and Rachel Minyard with their children. And I just met them last week. And they gave me this funniest look like, "Uh, what are you doing alone here, you creep? Um, and And I asked her this week, I said, Katie, what were you thinking? She goes, I promised you it wasn't bad. I'm like, yeah, your face is said otherwise. I was alone at the zoo, but I wasn't lonely. I was loving my time. See, loneliness and being alone aren't always the same thing. Being alone is is when you're by yourself, but being lonely is that feeling in you you that you're the only one. It's that feeling of of loss. It's that feeling of of, of darkness. It's that feeling that I'm the only one struggling here. I'm the only one feeling this way. You can be lonely in a crowd. You can be lonely in a relationship. Loneliness, as I said, is one of the fastest growing epidemics. I read this week that over 60% of Americans say that they are lonely frequently. Look around this room. 60%. Maybe it's you. This is real stuff. That's why we talk about relationships. Loneliness. Why are we so lonely? Like when the pandemic happened, we were all asked to go alone, and we had to stay separate, and and we had to to isolate, and and we understood that. That has all ended now. And you know what? Loneliness is growing, not decreasing. Why? Now, I'm not here to answer why. There's a lot of reasons. Maybe, maybe we've forgotten the importance of friendships or how to be a friend. Maybe, maybe we're turning to social media for a false sense of connection. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about social media. I'm not attacking social media. I use social media. But there are times when we look at that as our primary source of connection. It'll never be what we really need. Uh, there are, we have now AI chatbots. Anybody ever played with these? Like, I can talk to my computer. Like, 
this is great, I have a new best friend. Wait, my new best friend is my computer. We have all of these, all of these ways to connect, yet, yet maybe we're missing the depth in our friendships, in our families, in our marriages. Here's the challenge. We need to do this relationship right because we weren't intended to do life alone. We need to figure out, God, what is it that you have? If you have your Bible, open up to Genesis chapter 2. I'm going I'm to show you in Scripture that you weren't intended to do life alone. Before I read this, and I do this every time, we take a moment and bow in prayer because we're going to read God's word and he needs to show us. So would you bow with me? Lord, help us as we read your word. Light up your truth by the power of the Holy Spirit in us and speak to us. God, I pray right now as we talk about loneliness and relationships, I pray you begin to heal hearts now in Jesus' name. Put the lonely in families. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? God, in the book of Genesis, and maybe you've heard this, and, and maybe you've never read the Bible, but in the book of Genesis, at the very beginning, he talks about the creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the beauty around us, the trees and the mountains and the skies and the animals and the seas and the ocean. And after each point, what does God say? He says, it is good. He said, I created this. It is good. And then we get to Genesis chapter 2, and you've probably read this before. If you haven't, let me read it to you. He says, then the Lord God said, it is good. Not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Have you ever thought about this scripture before? God's saying all these things are good, and then he sees man in the garden and says, it is not good for man to be alone. Think about this for a minute. Was Adam alone in the garden? No. Good answer. He, he walked with God. It's like the Bible paints pictures that they were walking together. He had all these animals. It wasn't that he was alone. It's that Adam did not have a partner to do life with. And when we think about that, we automatically think, oh, for the hard times, right? He was in the garden in paradise. What was the partner for? To enjoy life with. To worship God together to enjoy the beauty that God gave them. It wasn't good for Adam to be alone. He needed a partner, so God created woman that they could be together. Not, not one over the other, one greater than the other, but a partner. We're doing this thing together. We're worshiping together. We're gonna celebrate life together. Yes, of course, when sin came in, they were together and they could rely on each other. But God says it was not good for man to be alone. And listen, I know that this is talking about man and woman. God put the man and woman together to be married and, and, and go forth and be together. But here's what I also know as you look at other scriptures. God is not intended for you to do life alone. He puts the lonely in families. God gave us families. He gave us connections with dear friends. He put us together he, for partnership, for connection, for community. Here is the main point. We were not intended to do life alone, but the question is this. How do we do this relationship thing right? How do we do this? Because it is not easy. It is not easy to have these connections. How do we do it right? I want you to grab your Bible, flip over to Philippians. I love Paul's teaching and Paul's letters to the churches. There's so much that Paul writes, real practical, and great information in here. But he gives us, and I'm going to read Philippians 4, 1 through 3, and I'm going to pull out three things, three ways we can do life together, three, three things we can apply. And then I'm going to give you a fourth bonus one. So if you're here, you get a free point. This is for free. It's on me. It's on me. I love you. And 
We're going to pull out three things plus a bonus one, and that bonus one really ties it all together. Let me read it to you, but before, before I do, as you study the book of Ephesians, it's really set up this way. Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 are really a doctrinal theology. He's talking about salvation, what this all means. And then in chapter 4, Paul kind of shifts, and he begins to, to talk very practically about how this all changes everything. And in chapter 4, he begins this talk of unity. And he writes this. He says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Three things, and then a bonus four. What is Paul telling us? There's so much we can pull out of these scriptures. I mean, we could preach for, for a long, long time just on these three alone. And I want to just point out three things that as I was studying and wrestling with this, that the Holy Spirit laid on my heart for me and you. How do we do this relationship thing right? Number one is this. We need to know who we are in Christ. We need to know who we are in Christ to be the strength in our relationships. It starts there. He writes this. He says, lead a life worthy of your calling. Ready? For you have been called by God. Everybody look at me. Everybody online and in our traditions, look at me. You have been called by God. Everybody take your finger right here. Put it up. Yep, play with me. Come on. It's interactive. And I want you to point right here. You have been called by God. You have been created in the image of God. And what Paul is saying, you need to know this is what God created in you. A relationship that need for relationship with him. We need to know who we are in Christ in order to bring anything into a relationship, into our marriages, into our families, into our friendships. It starts with Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's the confidence in who I am with him that helps me to do this. To do all my relationships. It starts with Jesus Christ. I, I've done a lot of... Uh, premarital counseling and talking with couples, and, and I've done a lot of study and reading, and I became certified in, in, in uh, uh, Preparing Rich, which is a premarital counseling, counseling uh, uh, curriculum. And, and one thing that we go through in our premarital counseling is talking about different forms of relationship. Maybe you've heard this, maybe you haven't, but let me let you know. Every relationship is in some way, shape, or form like one of these. There's three kinds. Number one is this. There's the A-frame relationship. The A-frame. It's where we go through life and we're leaning on each other. And we walk through life leaning dependent on each other. What happens when one leg of that falls? The other one goes down too. Listen, we, we become so codependent that, that I absolutely need that person for my salvation, for my hope, for, for just to, to go another day. And, and it's unhealthy because none of us are perfect and that falls apart. The A-frame relationship, not ideal. Then there's the H-frame relationship. It's where I hold everybody and everything at a distance. I go through life like this with my spouse. I want to keep you over there. Not, not intentional, but sometimes we do this because we don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to let anybody in to really see. So I keep my friends, I keep my family, I keep my spouse at a distance. The H-frame relationship's not healthy. But then the one we all need to strive for, it's the M-frame it's where on my own, I know who I am in Christ. He has saved me. He has made me. I am called. But I'm connected with my spouse, with someone, with my, with my, my dear friends, with my family. That I have the strength. Should, 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 should you stumble, I can hold you and point you to Jesus. 
should I stumble, I got you, together. This is where we need to be. We need to know who we are in Christ. This looks like reading your Bible and letting him speak to you and how you're called and who you are. You need to have a prayer life with Jesus. I want to know Jesus more, not only because I want to know him more, but I want, to, I want my wife to know him more and my kids to know him more. I want this to, 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 for friends and people to see me. I know who I am in Christ. I'm broken. I'm not perfect. But together, we're better. The M-frame relationships. If you are a follower of Christ, it starts with understanding who you are. If you do not know this Jesus yet, can I introduce you to a Savior who loves you who died for you, shed his blood for you. If you don't know Jesus, it's as simple as saying, God, I confess with my mouth that you are Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. At the end of this message, I'm gonna pray a, a prayer of salvation and maybe that's you, maybe you're online, maybe you're here. I wanna invite you to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ today. I'm gonna say a prayer later, let the Holy Spirit work on you. We need to A, know who we, number one, know who we are in Christ. Number two is this, we need to look for the good. We need to look for the good. Here's what Paul writes. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other. Ready? Making allowance for each other's faults. We love that one, don't we? Yes. Here's why sometimes this is tough. He says, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. We have a tendency to focus on the faults, don't we? We have a tendency to focus on the bad things. I know when you're focused on bad things, when you're looking for bad things, you're always going to find them. They're not hard to find, are they? And here's what we end up doing. Not only do we become fixated on faults, but we begin to, to make lists of others' faults, of the ways they've wronged us, of the ways they hurt us. Why? So that in our next argument, I can step up and say, back in January 1983, do you know what you did to me? That's right, I can't ever talk to you again. We make our lists, don't we? And I begin to have all the lists of the faults of my spouse, or my friend, or my family, my kids, or my parents. And we become fixated on these faults. Sometimes lists are good. Like when I, How many of you like grocery shopping? I, I don't love it. I go grocery shopping because my wife, we need to get stuff, and we like spending time together, so we go grocery shopping together. It's kind of a date thing. Not my favorite thing, but I like being with her, so let's, let's do this. But there are times when I need to go to the grocery store by myself, and often my wife will text me a list. Why do I need a list? Because when I go to the grocery store, I get lost. Like, I don't know what I need. And then I end up down the candy aisle and go, whoa, I never knew they made these. And I end up with four of those. And then I walk by the meat counter and go, man, those are going to barbecue up really good. And so I, I come home with a, a, a bag of all this stuff we don't need and really nothing she sent me there for. The list help us remember all of these things. Awesome when it comes to groceries, isn't it? It's terrible when it comes to the faults in your spouse or your kids, your parents or your friends. These lists destroy. Can I uh, tell you what Paul writes about this? In 1 Corinthians 13, 35, he says this. Love keeps what? No record of being wronged. Here's what Paul's saying here and there. Ready? Biggest advice. Throw away your lists. Take that list of faults and begin to throw it away. Yes, I know people are broken. 
and hurting, and they say things. Hurting people hurt people. But when we make these lists, we not only destroy that relationship, we begin to destroy ourselves with bitterness and anger. We need to throw away our lists. If you're going through life looking for the faults in others, not only will you find it, the devil will help you search because he wants your relationships destroyed. Rather than make a list, here's my challenge. Look for the good. And, and here's the deal. You can write it down if you want, but I don't, I don't really want you to write it down. I want you to speak it in the moment. I want you to start saying what you're seeing. If you see it in your spouse, you look beautiful today. Thank you. You, you speak it over your kids. Start speaking that, looking for the good. Why? Because it's going to change your heart. It's going to move you from bitterness to thankfulness and gratitude. Look for the good and speak it. Speak it over your family. Speak it into your friends. Thank you. Man, that was awesome. Your words are powerful. Look for the good. And number three, Paul writes, and I'm going to word it this way. We need to invest ourselves. Invest yourself. He says this. Make every effort. I'm telling you something. It's a no-duh statement. Relationships take work. Relationships require us to step out of comfort zones sometimes. If you're an introvert, that's not easy. I know. I got a piece of that in me. But I know as an extrovert too, sometimes it's hard to let people in, really in, isn't it? relationships take work. As I was praying and asking the Holy Spirit to speak to me through this scripture, I really felt there was a lot of ways we could take this. There's a lot of different areas we need to work on. I looked in the mirror and said, I could make a list and I could preach for a year. Um, but, but just I felt in the, it was still a small voice in my heart say, it, it's, it's communication. I think for some of us, we need to work on our levels of communication. I do. Have you ever um, said this about your work? That, that why did we have a meeting when that should have been an email? Right? I never said that, Pastor Rob. I, I never, ever, never, ever say that. Um, it, there are times when, 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 like, it should have been an email. There are other times when something's texted and it really needed to be face-to-face, isn't it? It does more damage. I've studied it, and, and in studying what I find is this, that there's really three categories or levels, levels of communication. The first level is this. Um, uh, it's words only. It's just our words. This level of communication includes text, email, chat, tweets, if you do that, social media. It's just your words only. That's level one. Growing deeper, we get to level two. That's our words and our tone. Sometimes the tone of your voice is important to get across the message. This is a phone call. This is calling them or leaving a voicemail so they hear your tone. And then the deepest and third one is this. It's words, tone, and body language. This is a deeper level. Uh, 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 level one is, is your low importance stuff. It's like you're fun and easy. It's, it's texting your spouse, can you grab a gallon of milk on your way home? Pretty easy, pretty simple. Level two is this medium important stuff, this last minute change of plans. It, it's uh, when you need to explain why you're, you're running late. Uh, and it, it, you can't just wait for the text to get across where you actually got to make a phone call. Because you need to know they got it right in that moment. It's, kinda, it's a little bit urgent. And then there's level three, your very high important stuff. It's when, when you need to deliver bad news or you need to apologize and you need that eye contact and you need that sincerity. Here's the problem. Often we resort to the lowest form of communication 
to try to communicate the most deepest level of, of, uh, of communication. We go with what's easy, don't we? I'm just going to text them. It's just going to be way easier. I'm just going to post it on social media and maybe they'll see it. Nobody does that. Here's the deal. Ask yourself, how important is the message I'm trying to convey? And that will tell you what level you need to go. I know sometimes it's easier to make a phone call than to meet face-to-face, especially when you're in the wrong. But we need to understand this because so much is broken in relationships when we don't communicate right. This is basic. There's so, like I said, there's so many areas we can go with this, but this level of communication thing is so, so important. Paul says, make every effort. Ask yourself, how is the best way to communicate this to my family, to my spouse? How do we do this? Here's what I know. Relationships aren't easy, and we'll still have times we, we slip up and make mistakes. Because we are broken people, aren't we? Paul writes it this way in Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is, I love this verse, and I struggle with this verse. He says, if it's possible, do everything within your power. Communicate, love, invest. As long as it, as far as it depends on you. Because there are people in life who won't reciprocate some of the ways we're communicating and loving and trying to connect. I know, and that's where the hurt comes. We need Jesus to teach us how to do this. But on our part, we need to follow his word. On our part, we need to do everything we can to invest ourselves. So, so we need to know who we are in Christ. We need to look for the good in our marriages, relationships, friendships, families. We need to invest ourselves, be willing to put forth the effort. And number four, this is the freebie, but so important because it wraps everything else together. Paul specifically puts it here and then talks more about unity because we need this one right here. He says this, verse three, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. To keep yourselves, what Paul's saying is not that in your, in your marriages you need to have this really hard, deep felt Ah, lovey-dovey connection. That's important. That's great. But when he says spirit, he's not talking about you're in my spirit. He's talking about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying, in order for us to do this, we need to be a, a, a people and have our relationships be led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need to be a people who are hungry for the Holy Spirit because we can't do this alone. We need to be a people every day saying, Holy Spirit, fill me and guide me because I don't have the words to say. I don't have the strength to do this. These people really hurt me, and I, and I don't even want to talk to them ever again. Holy Spirit, work on my heart. Help me to, 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 to know who I am. Here's what, here's what the Bible says. You know how we know we're, we're saved? It's through the, through the Spirit and, and his, his stamp of a seal on our hearts. You want to know who you are in Christ? The Holy Spirit will remind you that confidence in who he is. To, to, to look for the good is not always our first step. But the Holy Spirit fills us with things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He gives us these things as we seek him to do life together, to love our spouse through the hard stuff, to love our kids when we really just want to wring their necks. Kids, to love your parents. Yeah. Kids, to love your parents even when we make mistakes. Even when we make mistakes, we need to learn to love each other. And it comes through the Holy Spirit. If we want to have the strength, we need the Holy Spirit 
to give us the ability and strength. He is our strength to invest ourselves when I don't feel like it and I don't know that I have much left in the tank. We need to be a people who are hungry for a move of God and the Holy Spirit in us so that we can do this relationship thing better. We're not all going to be perfect. We're going to trip up. But the power to forgive comes from him. I want to challenge all of you every day to say, Jesus, come into my life and Holy Spirit, fill me with the strength I need. Empower me to do this. Because I'm sick and tired of seeing the enemy destroy relationships, destroy families, destroy friendships. I'm tired of it. It's getting old. We need to be a people who are hungry. As I was preparing this message, and as we're preparing this series, my prayer is for marriages today. My prayer is for that marriage that is struggling, and you don't even know if you can go again another day. I pray the Holy Spirit begin a process of healing. I pray for families that are just being uprooted and torn apart by so many different things. I may not have even mentioned it, but they're just being, being, being torn apart. I pray that God would heal families, heal those deep friendships that have been broken by a word that was said. You may look at your situation in your life and say, this is impossible. I serve the God of the possible, who does the impossible, who makes the impossible happen. And my prayer is that God would begin a healing process in all of us. Beginning with me, I want to challenge you to invite the Holy Spirit to guard you, to guide you, to lead you every day, and then be sensitive to his voice. And then I want to challenge you on the three practical things. Here's what I know. I do three because it's easy to remember, easy for me to remember. I need all, all the help I can get. Even that can be overwhelming, can it? You may be sitting there and go, Pastor Adam, you said a lot of stuff there, and that's really hard. And if we get overwhelmed, you know what we often do? We just check out and say, I can't do any of it. When we preach, when I speak for myself, when I preach, I don't preach for perfection. I preach for progress that each of us could just take one step every day. I may not get this right every time, but I, I want to take a step today. I want, you to, I want you to think about and let the Holy Spirit lead you. Which of these three areas are you going to begin to work on this week? Are, are, are you going to know who you, you going to know who you are in Christ? Maybe you want to give your heart to Jesus in this moment. Maybe today's the day that you want to receive Jesus as your Savior. Maybe that's the one you need to do today. Maybe, maybe this week, you're going to throw away your list. You say, Holy Spirit, give me strength. God, give me strength. I'm going to throw away the list, and I'm going to begin to look for the good in others. I'm going to stop talking about the bad stuff because I've had it. It's not helping. I'm praying that you would be empowered to do so. Maybe this week, all you need to do is invest yourself, begin to communicate. Ask about, ask God for the wisdom and how to communicate and what level to communicate in. I don't know what it is, but what I know is God is telling each and every one of you, watching online, in the chapel, do something to begin to heal to begin to restore, to begin to strengthen. Maybe you have the most strongest relationships ever. We can always do something because there are people watching. I want to see God do some incredible things in relationships in this church because the world needs to see what healthy relationships look like. 
I'm going to pray. But as I do, would you let the Holy Spirit speak to you? And I want you to ask this question. What am I going to do? Bow with me, Lord. First and foremost, I pray this prayer. I pray that anybody here within the sound of my voice who does not yet know you as their personal Savior, I pray that you overwhelm them with love, with power. May they understand, Jesus, that you went to a cross and died for them on their behalf, and you rose three days later to give them victory over death. Lord, I confess that we've fallen short, but I also confess that you are Lord, and I believe, Jesus, that you rose from the dead, extending and giving me life too. Come, lead me. I give my life to you in Jesus' name. God, I pray you build confidence in, in who we are in you. Holy Spirit, would you mark that seal in our hearts? God, I pray, I pray right now you begin to shift our minds to begin to look for the good in other people and throw away our lists of the bad, of the faults, of the hurts. Help us, O oh Lord, to look for the good in others, of those around us, in our spouse, in our kids, in our parents, in our friends. God, I pray that we would learn what it means to invest ourselves, but we need strength to do it. Fill us with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God, help us to walk in your ways and in your word. May we be your people, and I pray you heal relationships, restore relationships. Make us new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.